welcome. This is the Ag Engineering Podcast, where we talk tools, tips, and techniques to improve the sustainability of your farm. I am your host, Andy Chamberlain from the University of Vermont Extension, and this podcast is supported by Northeast SARE, providing grants and education to advance innovation in sustainable agriculture. We're trying to improve the industry by chatting with farmers and getting their input on tools, tips, or techniques that have changed the way they farm for good. Many of these practices affect multiple areas of the farm. Whether it be environmentally, emotionally, physically, or financially, we share the knowledge to promote sustainable agriculture, lifestyle, and business. Thanks for having a listen. Now, let's get started. Today's episode comes to you from Starksboro, Vermont, where we're visiting Footprint Farm. They've been farming for a total of nine years, and they've been farming for seven years here on this property, where they manage two and a half acres in addition to a quarter acre in high tunnels. They sell to farmers markets, CSAs, restaurants, and caterers, and have between $150,000 and $170,000 in sales. Taylor and Jake Mandel, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks. Now, I just set the, set the stage a bit and gave some background on your farm, but if you could describe what you do in one sentence, what would you say? We grow diversified vegetables on about an acre and a half, and we have an acre in cover crop, and we do it year-round. Sounds good. Awesome. Now, this episode is talking about what we call habit farming. Now... You are very engaged in social media and farming policy, we'll say. You work with the uh, Vermont Young Farmers chapter, which is awesome. And recently you just launched a blog talking about farm sustainability. So I wanted to ask you about that and learn more about it. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) What motivated you to start a blog? Well, we we got into farming, and based on what was available in social media and books, it seemed like, oh, great, we'll start a farm. It'll be small. It'll be successful. We'll make money. We can live on it. And then it just... Romantic. It was very romantic, <laughs> um, and we just started to see people who had started the same year as us stopped farming and couldn't we we didn't really know why and then the more I talked with people it was usually financial always stress related maybe they decided to have a baby maybe they needed to move they lost their lease there are just so many reasons but so many people leaving farming and as part of the National Young Farmers Coalition I was able to see that this was happening nationwide and it feels like there's this big excitement about getting into farming right now amongst young people and first generation farmers but there's there's a missing piece there's a lot of resources for people to get into farming and support them through their first maybe three years and then it just drops off there's there's there needs to be I think more networking amongst farmers in order to say yeah I'm stressed too it's not just you. You're not alone in this. And, and here are some a resources. Lot of, a lot of fellow young farmers or older, I mean, farmers who have been doing it for a long time. But every time we 
get out of the house in the season and talk with people, we realized like we're not alone in these stresses that we're Mm -hmm. feeling or whether it's, you know, financial or stresses coming from, you know, pest and disease management or any of that kind of stuff. It's just, it's so helpful to have someone to talk to, have a community to kind of share in challenges and successes as well. But Mm -hmm. So that, that's one side of it. And the other side of it is that I'm a huge nerd. Um, and I think it's time that I accept it and embrace it. And I spend a lot of time reading really nerdy books on habit forming and productivity and how the brain works. And a lot of it is because I, I too, I have uh, a couple different diagnosed anxiety disorders and so farming is inherently really difficult you know it's, it's totally unpredictable um I'll go into decision making paralysis and be on in a puddle in the floor in the kitchen and totally useless to anybody um and I needed a way to to manage those situations and so for me the way to manage those situations was to to research and to make things very concrete and say, okay, what's happening right now? What do I do about it? Um, and how do I get through this? And so, so also, that every time I talk about these resources, there's so much interest and excitement around them that I thought, okay, maybe it's time to put it out there for other people to use. Yeah, you're you kind of you get down to the heartstrings that people don't like to talk about. You kind of cut through the the glaze on top and and get in get you know you you get into the topics that people don't necessarily talk about unless you're really close friends with them i've i've uh taken over my share of (laughs) of workshops by asking uncomfortable questions (laughs) (laughs) us fellow introverts all you know have the same feelings and questions that you have in these conferences and um so thank you for stepping up and asking the hard questions you're trying to um, raise awareness or are you trying to build a network or are you just sharing what you've learned? What, what, are you, what are you trying to do here? That is the question. I don't know yet. I, um, I think it's kind of, s- correct me if I'm wrong, but starting with sharing what you've learned. Yeah. If it can be helpful for anyone else. Mm-hmm. Because I think, yeah. I think, I love this term with social media. I feel like <laughs> I hear that a lot these days with social media, but it's true that you often see a slightly airbrushed version of other people's experiences farming. And part of that is maybe marketing or it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it does often come off as people doing really well. Um, and so having that hashtag real talk, <laughs> is important to keep I don't know just to keep the that to have that conversation in the mix as well mm-hmm. yeah I I kind of I kind of put it out there as a way to organize my own thoughts hmm. or that was that was one of my original ideas was oh where did I read that thing oh, it'd be nice if it was organized somewhere that's what I was originally thinking um and then, but I, I recently went to a few different conferences that were not technical farming conferences. They were more about food system and the 
the state of agriculture and the state of farming and they weren't positive they were <laughs> they were scary and I I think that that was why I decided to just go for it um, there was a lot of talk about being at a turning point like we were in the 80s and this is we've we have a, an opportunity to change the trajectory of agriculture and we have 10 years to do it and that was a real eye-opening experience for me and I said okay well if there's something that we're doing that can help keep farms in business for 10 years to get to whatever this new phase of agriculture is going to be then I need to I need to do it and I do think that we've done a, a pretty good job of taking lots of different resources and mushing them into a, a method that works pretty well as far as running a business goes. Um, so that that's what I'm trying to share in the beginning. We do a we do an annual business review that is a, a step by step process that we go through and it creates something for us to fall back on in the middle of the season when we're in the heat of August and we're trying to decide, okay, we have two hours. Do we thin the carrots or do we spend time, you know, updating the website so that the next <laughs> CSA offering is available or do we make new beds? And how do you, and when you have such a time crunch, how do you decide between all these options that feel very critical, if they feel very urgent, and choose the one that is actually going to move you towards the goals that you set during the winter. Um, and so that that process is what I've started sharing so far. Is, is the, the decision-making tree. Yeah, the decision-making tree and the, the process of, of goal-setting. Goals. And yeah. um, I, I just want to step back for a second. You said you've, you were at these conferences um, discussing the outlook of farming. Is that um, the outlook of farming in Vermont, the Northeast, nationwide? And you mentioned a 10-year turning point. Where'd that 10-year come from? And what is that referring to? Is that referring to global dairy industry decline? Is that climate change? Is that what set that 10 years that you'd, you had mentioned? I, well, the, the particular conference that I was at was a Vermont specific and I think that that it's even though it's Vermont specific it does you can extrapolate it out for the entire country because Vermont has maintained this way of agriculture that has been lost in most of the country these small scale we still have a lot of dairy but it's small dairies we have a lot of small family farms the landscape looks very agricultural Everybody knows a farmer. It's not weird to buy local produce. There was a feeling at this conference that that way of life is at risk. And a lot of that is because of this precipitous loss of dairies in Vermont. And most of our working landscape, those picturesque barns and fields, those are dairy farms. Those aren't vegetable farms. And that's what we're talking about losing primarily. And as evidenced by what has been happening, especially in the last three to four years. I'm not an expert on the numbers or where that 10 years came from, but I think I think it might be a funding thing. I think mm -hmm. it might be that funding cycles are in this five to 10 year cycle and that this particular group has, they just got their funding re 
re-upped, so they have an opportunity to do more work in the state. But, um, so yeah, I guess I can't speak to exactly where the 10 years came from, <laughs> but that's, <laughs> that's what they kept using. Um, so the changing working landscape is something that is a concern. Now, that it sounded like it was a, an all-day brainstorming type workshop uh, with, like, post-it notes on the walls, like, really, <laughs> like, just, like, bashing heads together trying to troubleshoot. Is that what it was? And were, was there any um, outcomes out of that? Like, at the end of the day, um, what was the group saying that, that we could do to make changes? Well, there were two different two different conferences that these conversations were happening at. One was really big. There were a lot of people there. It was talking about the state of agriculture right now and then kind of if we keep at the status quo, what's it going to look like? So that was one, and I came out of that one feeling very pessimistic. And then the other one, which was more recent, was fewer, fewer individuals, but representing the same organizations, meeting in one space, and we did this scenario investigation where it was five different possible outcomes of Vermont agriculture, and what did those outcomes look like? Why would they have happened? Who, what's the face of it? What does it feel like? What policies would have contributed to it? And then we went through and tried to either support, how can we support this scenario actually happening or how can we keep this scenario from happening? And we were really just brainstorming. And then it's my, my un- understanding is that, that those brainstorming, those, all those ideas are going to be captured and sent back out. And what the goal is, is to get a unified voice. So all these organizations coming together to say, okay, we sat down and we think that if we can do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, then it's going to help. So it's, it's all help. about, it's going to help. It's going to help. <laughs> it's going to help. It's not necessarily going to save the industry. Well, we don't know. Maybe yeah. the industry is changing and maybe that's okay. Maybe we're in a transition phase and it's going to look different, but what do we want it to look like? What do, what what do what's everybody want it to look like? What do the residents of Vermont want it to look like? Um, and and how do we get there? And and it was a it was an opportunity to put your wildest ideas out there. You know, mm-hmm. they they did something similar in the eighties and came up with um, methods of conserving farmland, which were which were totally out of the box and brand new ideas, but now feel very commonplace. And so they were trying to generate some of those really out-of-the-box ideas in this meeting. So you definitely have a passion for agriculture. I mean, it's it's your career. <laughs> you need to make some money from it. You go to these conferences. Um, you go to conferences to, to educate yourself so you can do be a better grower and all that. Use social media to learn from other farms and everything that other people are doing so you can, you can all grow. Uh, listen to great podcasts so you can, um, you know, continue to to make your own farm better you go to conferences that are talking about policy and agriculture as a whole which is huge and obviously that's really motivated you maybe from a disappointed side side when you come home so you came home from these conferences and you 
uh, are feeling really motivated, you got a fire under your butt, just like, what can I do? So mm-hmm. what do you do? You just start typing random stuff into the computer That's exactly and just right. go like, this is, <laughs> what can I do? I, all I can do is, is chat. I talk, I can share. And that's what, that's what you've started. So, um, you started an Instagram page for this yep. and you're starting a blog yep. and a mailing list it looked like from the blog. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I thought, well, you don't know if something's a good idea until you just try it and see what the feedback is like. And oh my gosh, I've gotten <laughs> so many emails and messages and people saying thank you for being honest and thank you for for sharing. And um, I mean, that, that Instagram account got over a thousand followers in four days or something like that. So, so the need is there now. I actually have to do something with it, and that's a little bit intimidating. But, um, <laughs> but right. it's also it's 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 neat. It's I've I farming is so isolating to feel like there's this community out there that is rooting for each other. It feels really good. And I and I think hopeful. I should add in because Taylor's not going to be self promoting, so I'll do it for her. But <laughs> she has read a weird number of books in this, in this genre of just like habit forming and self-preservation and not almost never actually relating directly to agriculture, but is, I think she's a special kind of person that will see an issue and, and then like figure out how to tackle that issue. And for the issues that she was personally having, this was the answer was to like really dig deep into the psychology and the like what's going on in our brains, what's making us feel this way. So there, yeah, there's, she does have a lot of knowledge in those. I mean, yeah, I get bored with those books. So I, <laughs> I, I asked her to I summarize need, them for me. I need somebody <laughs> else to tell them too, cause Jake's sick of listening. <laughs> well, I'm not sick of listening. I just wouldn't listen to them, you know, six hours a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm big into the, the productivity, you know, continuous improvement mindset too, yeah, which totally, um, but then you're combining that with kind of sociological yeah. and how does this all relate to farming? Because um, that's a really unique niche. And I think um, finding a niche like that where you can get into details, but it's broad enough that this is like a nationwide problem that you're addressing really. Stress. Yeah. yeah, It's stressful. It's the number one. It's the most, the highest suicide rate of any job, right? Right now. Am I making that up? Uh, There's an asterisk on that. There's an asterisk. They're they're not sure if they did that study correctly, (laughs) but it's high. It's high. And stress is the, the number one medical issue amongst millennials right now that's true and um a a lot of beginning farmers are are millennials as well so thank you for for sharing this information and um for starting a blog and and a network uh getting talking about things that are difficult to talk about um how how do you think you're gonna manage this i mean right now you started this november december um what's gonna happen come come March and April when you're getting the farm going again? I don't know. We talk about this a lot because right now I, I feel very passionately and excited about it and I want to spend time on it, but you only have so many hours in the day and running a farm takes more hours than you have. So in a day already. already. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know what's, what's going to happen if I'm 
going to be able to keep up with it or not, I think it'll probably get to a point where we have to ask ourselves, can I keep doing it when I'm not making any money from doing it and I should be spending my time doing things that actually make us money? I also, I don't, I don't want to, I want, I want to find a format to give information. I don't like the idea of charging farmers a lot of money for information that's going to help them keep farming in this, in the, it's not technical information. It's like self-preservation and stress reduction and I, It'd be great if if that information was available to people. Um, at the same time, I have my own stress to deal with, and I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, y- your audience is is in the same profession as you, so when you get yeah. busy, they're going to get busy, and maybe right. the posts just get a little bit shorter. Like, how are you yep. managing stuff as it's coming up? You know, that's what I was thinking. I'll, I was thinking I'd go deeper during the winter, go through our business planning process, more of the psychology baseline things to be thinking about during the season things to keep in mind and then I think during the season I'll probably just do do some Instagram posts of okay this thing came up on our farm today here's how we dealt with it based on everything we talked about this winter and if anyone wants to pay me to do this you can do that too (laughs) (laughs) in all seriousness if you'd like to uh, support Taylor in her endeavors. Uh, you can start off by following along to that uh, Instagram handle, which is Habit Farming. How do how should people find your blog and and follow you along? Yeah, it's I didn't pay for the the website yet, so it's habitfarming.weebly.com. Before we close out this episode, I asked Taylor to read the about page from her website. It really emphasizes the why of what she's trying to do. So now, here's what she has to say about habit farming. Farming is stressful. It's difficult. We farmers don't make much money, and we miss a lot of dinner parties. I also realize that I have a lot of resources, privileges. I'm white, I'm middle class, and I got a great college education. And I don't actually have to keep doing this if I don't want to. Here's the thing. I do it because I think it should be possible to raise a family at a living wage while growing food for people. I think farmers should be able to make a living without needed income from one or three other jobs. I think our neighbors should value our food and should be able to also make enough money to be able to buy it for their families. I realize that there's a lot wrong with our food system, and I'm not sure how to fix it. What I do know is that I want this current wave of new farmers to succeed. I want us to stay in business, to inspire our communities, and to be part of a new way of consuming. I also really want to have a family, and I don't want to resent my farm for taking up my time, resources, or for preventing me from having decent health insurance. Gosh, I also really want decent health insurance. In the past few years, I've been incredibly lucky to be part of a few different groups of lady farmers. After each meetup, I felt less alone, more inspired, and encouraged to keep on keeping on. I want to spread that community to a network of women, and men, to help reduce stress, increase confidence, and ultimately contribute to a generation of successful farm owners. I hope you'll join me as it all evolves. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you go ahead and subscribe, share this with a friend, or leave us a comment. And if you want more information, check out the show notes on our website at agengpodcast.com. That's A-G-E-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a great day.
The proceeding has been a production of University of Vermont Extension. For more information on Extension, log on to www.uvm.edu slash extension.